0: Welcome back to In The Loop, a podcast by Blackbird Digital about WordPress from an agency perspective. I'm Corey Hubert, lead developer at Blackbird, and today we're doing something a little different. That's right, it's time for the holiday filler episode. I mean, special, holiday special. So grab a hot mug of coffee and sit back and relax by the warm, gentle glow of your redshifted computer screen as we listen back to some highlights from the show this year. And as always, if you have questions about WordPress website development, contributing, or anything else web-related that you'd like to hear us discuss, send an email to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as WP. All right, on with the show. Start with our very first episode recorded in the before times before the world went online. It was a snowy January evening, and we met up in person at the Blackbird studio with a mug of homebrewed beer to do our recording with our first guest, Megan Rose, a developer at a travel agency at the time and a WordPress meetup organizer and WordCamp speaker and volunteer. You'll hear Brian Douglas first, who started the podcast but went on to pursue other interests. We mostly talked about how we got started with WordPress, but also what it means to be a WordPress developer.
1: The The struggle is real when it comes to finding a, a WordPress developer. and Because we'll have a definition of that, and there are people out there who will classify themselves as WordPress developers, when what they do is they install all these plugins and suites, and they build it, and they know enough CSS to be dangerous. But, um, and that's, you know, that's who I was, I think, earlier on was like, oh, this is, I can just build websites with this. And, and then now, you know, we're like, oh no, we're WordPress developers because we code the theme to be the thing it needs to be. But then there are people who make versatile themes for every, you know, anybody can use and like, oh no, I'm a WordPress developer. And then there's people who make the plugins like, no, I'm a WordPress developer. (laughs) And then there's people who contribute to core and they're like, all of y'all can just get out of here.
2: (laughs) especially um being in the community i've found over time that you have to like meet people where they are so even if someone defines themselves as developer they probably just don't know that the term is actually power user for them or um you know website admin or anything like that so it's a matter of in my opinion educating them and knowing like what people's end goal is because a lot of times especially in meetup or at wordcamp you want to like bring everyone from, I just learned what WordPress is today all the way up until I'm contributing to the core, but that's not exactly where everyone wants to take the path. So knowing like what their end goal is, do you want to just be able to make sites for family and friends? Do you want to be able to sell sites? Um, And then just for them, they need to understand that they have to like know other people that they can recommend to. So if their limit is like, they're like, well, I'm going to set up a theme, and that's kind of it, and I'm not going to do any extra security measures or anything like that. They need to know a security person mm-hmm. that they can recommend. So it's a matter of, like, offending other people to balance that out if, um, if you're not going to the full, like, extent of the path.
1: Does anyone else ever have, um, I don't know, developers' guilt over... <laughs> Sometimes I, I feel like I'm like, ah, I've been using this platform for so long and I've never contributed anything back to it or whatever. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's like it's a point. It's like, no, why should you? It's the point of it. It's open source. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, 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 I admire people who are like, I'm going to jump in and roll up my sleeves, find, a, find somewhere where they could use some help. I have
2: contributed, not with code, but I have contributed, so, so have no I code. don't feel guilty yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what, that's all you need to do, just contribute. You won't feel guilty there. Hey, um, you go
2: to meet up, that's something.
1: I, uh, that counts. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like having guilt, though. I used to be Catholic, and it just made, you know, <laughs> keeps, keeps me... Oh,
2: right. Actually, it's bad that I'm not feeling guilty, <laughs> so <I'm Catholic>
1: too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my mom I don't feel guilty. Okay.
0: <laughs> secret's safe with us and the <laughs> rest of the internet, whoever listens to this. Episode two, Sorry We Were Muted, came out in February 2021, a full year after the first, after Megan joined Blackbird and revived the podcast. We were also joined by another developer on the team, Phil Hoyt, to talk amongst ourselves in what would become a regular dev chat on the show. At the time, we were still trying to figure out how to best make use of the Gutenberg editor, and I presented the first report in a three-part series about some struggles we had adapting. The block editor awakens, in which Blackbird fends off the invader for a while, but ultimately succumbs.
3: I will I'll admit, I was very hyped on it when it was originally, at least, that like, you were seeing like GIFs of like you know, drag-and-drop editors inside of WordPress, but... Um, I think as a developer, I just was not able to figure out how to translate designs from a des- like an agency designer to something that could become a block. I think that's still an issue. We're still kind of like battling, um, maybe not internally, but when we have external design teams, um, uh, you know, they might not have thought about how to build something with blocks in mind. So, um, yeah, yeah we're, we're still we're still, we're still battling. It a lot yeah, of those
0: issues when we work with um other design agencies we're still getting things that are very page template focused um and we've we've almost entirely moved away from them. i mean there's still there's still use for the that kind of approach but for the most part we're trying to break those apart and say okay we're going to take these sections or whatever modules components whatever you want to call them and uh make them into blocks so that you can rearrange them for your, or your your client can rearrange them, et cetera.
2: Um, and actually I contributed on the, the user Gutenberg documentation at, um, at WordCamp US contributor day that I went to because I knew it was something that would like help my users in the end. Cause I was like, well, if I have my hands in it. I'm going to know what's available documentation wise. I'm going to be able to make sure it's accurate and I'm going to be able to just take the link to my documentation i wrote and just like mm. give it to our end users so i think that was like a good way for me to get familiar with the user side and like pass that information along
0: it's it's that it's that blank canvas page builder kind of thing that like your client might not might not be ready for that kind of experience of of editing um but also like maybe we're not giving our clients enough credit maybe we're just Potentially stuck in our old ways of like here's the design it's it is what it is you can change this bit of text here and this bit of text here in this image like there's a middle ground but also there's a spectrum as well and um i think it just depends on who you're building the site for and what they want like that's that's the question you got to be asking is like how do they expect to be changing or editing their content but even still, even if they want something that's more static, there are ways to accomplish that in Gutenberg now so they can still see what the page looks like while they're editing it. So I think we have a lot more options than we did even a year ago um, when we were posing that question, but not really not really knowing how we were tackling it.
2: I, I think if if there just was an all women release and Mm -hmm. was not publicized (laughs) like they wouldn't even fucking know and they wouldn't care right
4: right i
2: think it's it's the fact that people were highlighting it as like a positive Mm -hmm. and because yeah yeah and that like (laughs) you know frustrates them because they want to do that straw man argument of like well no one would be celebrating if it was all white men (laughs) it's like well yeah Yeah, yeah. because it always is that happens
3: (laughs) every single time yeah like (laughs)
0: Episode three was the start of several back-to-back interview episodes of some really awesome people in the WordPress community. First, we talked to Michelle Frechette, who was working with Big Orange Heart at the time, and had a frankly inspirational conversation about contributing to WordPress and fostering community virtually.
5: Yeah, so I have a philosophy in life that if you can, and you want to, you should. So for example, if I can help Um, you know, Big Orange Heart, and I I want to help Big Orange Heart, I have something to give, I have the capacity, then I should do that. Um, I also love to take opportunities that are once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunities if I have the ability to do that. And being part of the 5.6 release was that. I will honestly say I probably contributed the least of everybody that was there. I was on the marketing team. I didn't give as many hours as I had hoped to give, but I did help with some of the writing tweets. I helped with some of the marketing ideas, you know, being part of the whole process. I really did get out there and talk a lot about women in WordPress and why it was so important that we do that. Uh, And so I will say, I don't always juggle all of my projects well. uh, And I think that's normal, right? So, and then I beat myself up about it sometimes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed this or I missed that. It turns out that people understand. And that if you're working with a group and you stay open and honest about the process that you're working through. Sometimes that means stepping back from things and I have given up things that I, I just didn't have the capacity to contribute toward. Um, but I also find that when you have a passion for something, that it makes it easier to continue to stay on top of those kinds of projects. You know, I used to think my, my superpower was marketing. I really think my superpower is community and building community because I just absolutely adore our community so much. So, yeah, I guess quarantine made me be able be even more community minded, isolate me from the world and I will show you how we can work together. It's very crazy, but that's how it works. So I am I I'm not one of those people that gets excited about. I don't pay attention to like what are they developing next? Like, oh, what's going to happen in Gutenberg? It's like, oh, that's new. I'll play with that. I'll figure it out, Um, because I really do think about the community more than anything else and the opportunities that we have to come together around WordPress. And so things like uh, learn.wordpress.org where we have this whole library of ways that people can learn WordPress right through wordpress.org. I think that's phenomenal. I think we're only gonna see that grow and become better. I'm excited about the online events that are happening. I'm excited about the meetups that I've been able to join that aren't anywhere near me, you know, and that I run a meetup here in Rochester, New York once a month and I tweet about it the day of and people from all over the world are like, "Hey." I'm just going to drop in here and I'm going to learn about whatever is being talked about that night too. And so people outside of our physical space and our physical region are now part of our local community because of the fact that we are doing things online more and being able to reach more people. So I think my excitement is to see how that works. I think once you know, I keep, I keep hearing people say, "After COVID, um, you know, so after when things are safe and we're able to travel, we're able to be together again." Absolutely, I look forward to seeing people hugging the huggers, you know, waving to the non-huggers, <laughs> sharing a cup of coffee, grabbing a, a glass of wine, whatever it is, with people in person. But also continuing to see the hybrids and see the online events that continue because I now have friends in global places that I would never be able to. Uh, Otherwise, and so I really hope that we continue to have both uh, after COVID so that we can continue to be the encompassing community that we are.
0: Next up, an interview with Joe A. Simpson, Jr., a community lead organizer and speaker who regaled us with tales of connections made through and because of the WordPress
4: community and
0: how he became a speaker in episode four.
4: Back then, imagine me, a graphic designer friend in person, being plopped down in a room full of the best developers in the WordPress space. So, all the automaticians were there, Matt Mullingweg, and all the higher ups were there. And the amazing thing was they asked me to spin up a virtual box the very first day we all sat down. And as as my eyes went circle back in my head, and I Uh, almost passed out. Everybody helped. Everybody pitched in. And, you know, generally in a typical work environment, you know, people are climbing on top of each other to move up the ladder and they don't want to help you as if it's all proprietary information. But back then everybody was sharing. So I was like, wow, WordPress is really a cool thing. And I found out what community meant that weekend. Everyone you run across in the WordPress community has an interesting story. and everyone's willing to connect. One of the reasons why I got up on stage uh, at a WordCamp, um, I I spoke at WordCamp Chicago, and I would enter um, Michigan in the um, WordPress admin, and it would tell you what meetups and WordCamps were in the area. In addition to WordCamp Jackson, it was WordCamp Chicago, and I applied to speak, and I was able to speak. But one of the reasons was I had never seen someone that looked like me on stage. So um, I was accepted, and... Ironically, that day, Joseph Howard was the first person I saw. And then I followed him later in the day. So that was pretty cool because speed speed forward all these years. I was on his podcast um recently and I sort of did the, the lurker thing. I was like, You little did you know that in the audience in Chicago I was a fan of yours. So so just seeing um one of the great things about last year, and it was a shitty year every in other other sense was In the virtual space, I felt like a lot of people that were used to the in-person thing said, hey, let me take a step back and take a break from WordPress. And to me, it just made an opportunity for everybody who had the energy or the effort to want to contribute. And so it sort of freshened things up and it allowed people to have a voice that may not have felt like they could. So um, I'm just looking forward to contributing in any way I can. Um, And so that's what I'm looking for in the next, next year.
0: Episode 5 was a doozy, clocking in at nearly an hour and a half, mostly because we just couldn't stop talking about the future of WordPress, remote work, and contributing with John James Jacoby, developer at Sandhills Development and early core contributor. You know, essentially one of those WordPress superstar celebrity type people.
6: Because there are, like, WordPress superstar celebrity type people
0: like the one we're interviewing right now
6: (laughs) it's like sort of it's sort of lame and so like it for the for the for the people that have that have built an audience the the best thing for those people to do is to like lift up everyone else up just just draw attention to everyone else around them like how often do you go to the library now you know like I used to live there as a kid, man. I did too, all the time. But like eventually uh, our kids, younger generations are not going to use a website to read the way that we did and do. Like it's they're going to use it for the app that it is hours they're gonna use it for watching video or listening to music or it's something more engaging or interactive wordpress and the web and the internet will be around forever like but like we will be lucky like it i I, there is a very long tail to it right um but i our our younger generations are they're completely disinterested in doing what their parents do so that's That's always been true right exactly right and so (laughs) this If they're just not gonna they're not gonna want to do it. Even if it's awesome and even if it's amazing, they're just not gonna want to do it. They're gonna wanna play video games. I need like like eleven inch MacBook Air with a tiny screen that fits one thing on it, and it close everything else. Oh my gosh. And then i and then I'll just meander around and just work on the one thing that I'm looking at.
2: I feel Otherwise like that, that. sentiment would make so many people mad.
6: I know. <laughs> I just I saw know. a tweet
2: this morning that was like, "Have some self-respect. Get yourself a monitor." <laughs> <It's> like what?
6: <laughs> and so I, I, I tried that. Like everyone tried it. I feel like I, I had a. I, I tried having a desk. I tried having like a, a a Mac that was like on my desk with monitors and like displays, and like. All I did was, like, get everything set up and, like, do a little bit of work and then, like, leave my office and go get a coffee and then, like, have a conversation and then, like, never sit at my desk. (laughs) It is harder now because WordCamps made it easier, I feel like, before. Like, you could go to an event and, like, meet a person and be like, this is cool and you're cool and so help me, right? And so that's gone, basically. Um, Slack tends to be, like, where you can lurk and kind of get a good feel for what's happening. But it's there's 150 Slack channels, and so how do you pick a thing? So my recommendation for for people that are trying to figure it out is to find a, something that bothers them, like a bug or a thing that they don't like, and then just find where that fits. Like if it's a button that doesn't, or a hover state, or a menu, or a something that's just funky and like figure out what the sort of I think called components now right so is it a customizer is it a user is it menus is it Gutenberg like what's where is it and then kind of figure out like from there how you how that team needs you to fix or help or patch or document or do whatever the thing is because from there I think it's sort of you so you learn the fundamentals of how to contribute and like who the people are and how to, what, their, what the schedules are and what their expectations are. And does it need screenshots? Does it need a patch? Does it need docs? Is it how, to, like, who's responsible for it? Who's the person who's going to give you feedback on your patch? Like, it's just so much more complicated now than it was before. And there's like a thousand people doing it at any given time. And so you're kind of just like walking into a busy party and you don't know anyone how do you say like, hello, I'm John. Like nobody, everyone's busy. You Nobody cares about you walking into the room. During that party <laughs> meme. <laughs> it's got the guy in the corner. <laughs> That's me. That's me. Most of the time. It's just like, <laughs> so like, I, I get it uh, because there's, there isn't any, there's no, there's no other option. Right. Like, and, and frankly, WordPress and open source, you know, in, in general, in the world, right. should be more inviting and like, a lot these are minor failures or screw ups, right? Like there's no harm is done by accidentally notifying a hundred people or whatever. Like who cares?
0: But they've all muted me now, so I'll never be able to talk to them ever again.
6: <laughs> and but like if know. it's if it's a serious enough of a thing, like if it's uh if it's something that is like legitimately inhibiting your progress for years at a time, like this post status bug with hierarchical pages, which is like a very real problem. Uh like the only thing that works is being noisy on the thing. Like is drawing attention to it. It is the only thing people respond to. Is like someone poking at it again. You know, just wake the dragon and like oh, there it's coming. It comes back in your inbox. You're, like someone's working on this again. It's the only thing that you can do is just keep working on it and like continue to screw it up until you get it right. And like the with varying levels of uh, response and success
0: next up on our interview extravaganza is the king of analogies himself david wolfpaw of fix-up fox in episode six we talked about wordpress maintenance as more than just core and plug-in updates and the value of hiring a professional plumber
7: when you when you're buying a car you have to get you know auto insurance because you have to, but no one's like, you know, you're thinking about, Oh, I'm going to go get the newest car that has these features. And I want this color paint job and all that. You're not thinking, Oh, and you know what? I also want this kind of insurance coverage and all these things that are for the just in case, or, Oh, I want to think about what type of uh, oil I'm putting into the car. I'm trying to stretch the analogy here. <laughs> um, you know, so those like- things that, those things that are a little bit um, more invisible until they're needed. And then, You know, and then when they're needed, it can be a panic if you don't have them. Um, so even though those are probably the most important things that I offer to my clients, uh, those are not the things that they see. And they're not usually the things that are that I sell as most important because that's not what they care about. When I was first starting to do this, it was really easy to say, Oh yeah, your host doesn't do that, or your host might charge you more money for that. Um, and I do all these other things as well. Or have you actually tried to use it? Sometimes you can't. But quite honestly. Most hosts do a really great job of a lot of these background tasks now. Uh, WordPress is a lot easier to do auto updates on. Um, It's a lot easier to manage things from even shared hosting accounts that quickly go in and say, we're going to upgrade PHP. And I can also trust that it's probably going to work just fine. Um, I can create a staging site directly from your shared hosting environments. Like You don't even have to have top-of-the-line hosting anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been really great. But that also means that I've had to shift a little bit of how I sell that service. um, Because if those are if those are the things that I focus on when I'm talking to potential clients, they go, okay, but I'm on, you know, whatever hosting company, they already do that for me. So what am I paying you for? So I had to hire a plumber recently, we had a, uh, so maybe maybe this can be an analogy for a few things. Uh, We had a clog um in our house that uh that i tried you know snaking down the drain myself and i was like well i know how to do this it's just you know clog in the sink is probably like grease or whatever um and i tried and tried and tried and i couldn't get it uh, out and eventually I was like okay well you know my sink is flooding i'm gonna need to call someone to come in so i did the thing that i should have done in the first place which was allow someone else who has more expertise to come in and do their thing uh the problem ended up being a little bit more complex than i thought Uh, this, uh, the gentleman who came from this plumbing company did an excellent job. He had, um, like a little camera that was on one of the snake things. And he was able to show me exactly what he was seeing. So one, he was demonstrating some trust there, not just coming to being like, yeah, you need to replace, you know, everything here. He's like, no, here's what we're seeing right here. This is why this is happening.
0: Educating you a little bit about the actual problem. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Um, he had the specialized tools and specialized knowledge that I did not have, um, same thing that I tried to apply with my clients saying, you know, like, sure, you can absolutely, like, anyone can absolutely learn to thing- do the things I do. None of it's secret. I will teach you everything. Um, but do you want to spend all your time doing that? And also, do you want to get all of these fancy tools and learn how to use them all? Um, and then when he was done, I was like, oh, you know what? We've actually been having this other problem. Can you help us with this? And uh, he helped me fix um, an issue we were having with one of our toilets. And since he was already here, already doing work, he didn't charge me an extra money for that. He was just like, sure, here, you know, fix this thing. I tell my clients when, uh, when I onboard them, I say, I'm going to make things as simple or as detailed as you want. I can tell you that I solved the problem. I can tell you that I solved the problem and here's the steps I went through. Or I can tell you I solved the problem, here's the steps, and here's why it was a problem in the first place, and here's what we're going to do to alleviate it from happening again in the future. Um, Not everybody wants that much detail. Some people are comforted by it. Some people just want to make sure the thing got done. That's all I need to know.
0: Now we'll get back to some familiar voices for another dev chat in episode seven, the big fat ACF episode, with more Gutenberg updates and some discussion about the pros and cons of advanced custom fields.
6: Today we're bringing you
0: The Gutenberg Shuffle, Part Two: The Last Custom feel.
6: I think uh,
3: it's easy to look at maybe past development with through rose-colored glasses and be like, "Oh, it wasn't. It was so easy to develop that way, or mm-hmm. um, it, it wasn't that bad, or what." But then, when you maybe go back, you realize from a user oh, God, standpoint, yeah. it's maybe. It's so awful. I know I, I know what website you're talking about and I've uh-huh. had to build on top uh-huh. of it also. Yep. <laughs> and I remember, and I, I, you know, this is something I've said to anybody who's been in the agency world long enough. If you use ACF and you work in WordPress, you have accidentally or on purpose at some point built a page builder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happens. <laughs> really it, it, bad page builder. <laughs> yes, a bad page builder. Uh, Cause you know, it has that layout section and you can just kind of plop sections on top of each other. And it's a very, um, bootstrap esque design layout feel mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you have these giant sweeping sections and you have content that you kind of just populate again, going um back to uh, the idea of uh, data input and it just lays out the the website yeah. for you, and that felt like correct at the time, and maybe it was you know it was the best that we could do at the time with the tools that we had. Um, but I think once you go back into it, you realize a lot of its limitations and uh, confusion, especially uh you know you you talked about uh you by name alone and those naming conventions can
0: get pretty convoluted pretty quickly I don't know, and just just in general i feel like i'm i'm having a bit of a almost an existential crisis about advanced custom fields i do i do love it i do love how um how it enables our fast-paced workflow and but on the other hand i've been thinking a lot about you know, uh, best practices for developing for WordPress. And, you know, just as an example, like what actually belongs in a theme versus what belongs in a plugin. And ACF is a huge gray area uh, for me in that regard, because it is, you know, injecting a a certain amount of functionality, right, into a, a theme. But on the other hand, like you know, that's, that's primarily what we're developing is custom theme to do custom things, to make it look a certain way. (laughs) Um,
3: I've really, especially now that I'm working on themes that I hope to be in the directory, I've really been able to separate my, uh, philosophies on WordPress a lot more. Um, and even as we've built our scaffoldings, uh, I've really thought about how we what we're delivering to our clients is not a theme or even a custom plugin. It is a built-out website with content pre-populated. We're teaching them how to populate more content. We are delivering them a whole package. Uh, if they just got a zip file of what we built for them, they would not pay us. They would not be happy, and they would, you know. So what we are giving them is an experience. It is a you know a, a suite of uh, things. And our expertise in how to use these things and put them in correctly um uh, while we try to put as many fail safes in as we can to ensure things don't break if certain plugins get uninstalled or whatever but i i can't even tell you the amount of times like that happens like it just doesn't happen like um all that often where you know oh that client uninstalled acf or something like that it's like no like the the package that they got is the package that they got and they're using it as it was built so um i think at a certain point you um I've had to just let go of this idea of the 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 proper way of doing things um, versus uh, you know maybe get shit done mentality Mm -hmm. slash Mm -hmm. I'm delivering a package to my client that needs to do a very specific thing um, versus I'm building something that um, I want everybody to use. So Mm -hmm. like these these things that I'm creating in my spare time, I want to be used by. Tons of different people and many different use cases, and you have to think about how you build in a different way. And that limits your um, ability. You know, I can't just throw whatever I want into that theme or plugin or anything um, because I have to, uh, there's expectations on that user and how, um, you know, what they're going to be using it for.
0: This next episode, number eight, was very special. A panel discussion with three other WordPress agencies. We talked about similarities and differences between the work and process for agencies of different sizes. And, you guessed it, more Gutenberg. I'll let them introduce themselves with an asterisk that Ryan Welcher now works at Automatic.
8: Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Ryan Welcher. I work for a company called Ten Up. I'm a lead web engineer there, and I have some construction going on above me, so hopefully it's not too loud. As for the number of WordPress shirts I own, I I don't know. Uh, something yeah. thousands. <laughs> I have no idea. I have so many uh, and uh, swag shirts from conferences all over the place. I'm gonna go twenty. I'm gonna say twenty.
9: My name is Lauren Pittinger. I am a front end engineer for a company called WebDev Studios. Um, And I think I have two WordPress shirts. One is from WordCamp Pittsburgh. The other is like the, like the, we can do it WAPU women in tech shirt.
10: (laughs) Hello, uh, my name is Ebony Butler. I am the lead developer at Yikes Inc. here in Philadelphia. Um and in terms of WordPress shirts, uh WordCamp, probably own four WordCamp shirts, but the only one like WordPress shirt, and that's you know the powered by coffee one. That's my favorite one ever. <laughs>
2: um if everyone wants to share uh how large your agency is, I guess that would probably also be helpful for the viewers. Ebony, so you said it's a small company, how many do you have?
9: Have uh, total seven, but five devs. Well, Lauren, how big is Web Dev? I believe there's something like 45, 47 total. But I think on the engineering team, there's like 35 of us. And the rest are like project management, um, design, strategy.
2: Cool. And then Ryan, how big is 10Up?
8: Oh, oh boy. We're pre- over 200 um we might even I, I couldn't tell you the number of devs we have we have we, we we have a large amount um yeah we're over 200 might even be 250 at this point no
0: we're the we're <laughs> the tiny little baby agency in this conversation you, oh. you're speaking to two-thirds of the uh <laughs> of, the de- of the development uh, department <laughs> today.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did want to get a good balance of people working at different size agencies and just kind of see if that uh changes things cuz yeah, obviously decision-making processes are going to be way different at bigger agencies. Mm-hmm.
0: The block editor, the Gutenberg editor. Uh do you uh, do you think that you have fully transitioned to like utilizing it to like its fullest at your agency? Um have any war stories you know any any interesting tidbits maybe advice that you can pass along
10: still we fully we did fully transition um but it's kind of a thing where it's just like each release all right uh what's gonna break <laughs> um there's been multiple times where we'd have a you know five point whatever release and then I spend the entire day fixing some Internal plugin, our internal themes, because a jQuery uh, function is deprecated and it's breaking everything. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's a it's still a big learning process. Even though our agency has definitely fully transitioned to using Gutenberg, um, it's still a learning curve for me. I even though I am pretty good at React these days, but it's still like Gutenberg editor changes so much. Where I'm never going to be confident <laughs> that I know what's up with Gutenberg. Um, and especially with 5.8 coming. Um, yeah, that's gonna be a big one and another huge one that I have to learn. <laughs> that we all have to learn. Um, so yeah.
2: It's a long process. <laughs> We're on this journey with all of you.
8: <laughs> um, I think at 10 up we've we've transitioned fully. Um I think that's our or go-to at this point, uh, it, I've I've been working with WordPress since 2004, and this this since 5.0 came out and, and and Gutenberg dropped. This has been the biggest shift and the hardest change for developers to, in, in my experience, it to kind of like get with. Um, it's it it required uh you know up until then if you're if you were back end developer a php developer you you know you were doing your your thing and you didn't need to know any javascript at all if you didn't want to um, and then all of a sudden it was like oh no no now you need to know webpack react javascript node modules npm blah blah, blah all all these things and i know a lot of developers myself included that kind of really struggled with that at first um, i think we're there now at at, at at 10 up but i think it's also um, the, the the barrier to entry has raised significantly to become a WordPress developer. When I started, it was like, you you know, copy and paste the loop and you're done. And now it's not that (laughs) at all. (laughs) Um, And it's uh, yeah. So I think we're there, but I think there's a lot of growing still to do. Um, I mean, like I've, I've contributed to the Gutenberg project. I, I was, I was an author for a couple of the slot fills that, that people use. And, it's, I still, I still can't keep up and I still don't know what I'm doing half the time. Um. So it's, it's an interesting time for, for sure. Anyways, to answer the question, yes, we're there, but it was definitely uh, a longer road and we had to really kind of like help each other out a lot to get to, to get to the point where we have um, sort of a best practice and stuff in place.
9: Yeah, um, we are there as well we have had conversations about like um like letting the dev or the lead dev on a project when it's a a new build like decide whether we're going to go like native gutenberg blocks versus like acf blocks does it make sense to spend like all this time building out a custom gutenberg block when we could do it so much easier and faster with ACF, um, and then we've gotten into like projects where there were both. When does it make sense to like for the our clients to like from their managing perspective to have to learn like both interfaces?
0: Back to the Blackbird Developer Hangout in episode nine, WordPress was never easy. We tie off the Gutenberg shuffle series with how we now approach custom blocks and use the new features that came with WordPress 5.8, including JSON metadata files for themes and blocks and how they make it even easier to develop themes. And yet the phrase WordPress barrier to entry keeps rearing its head before, before this release, um, I had been playing around with a couple of different ways to do things like kind of, you know, synchronize the color palettes between, you know, what Gutenberg is showing um, what's registered there and uh, you know, what's in my uh, SAS files. Right. Um, with some limited, with some success, but, um, but now it's, it's like a, it's a first class citizen so to speak right yeah you define your color palette just right there in this theme json file and not only does that register those colors with the gutenberg you know editor and the color palettes but also it actually uh it it, it actually creates the css for those colors to be available on the front end and it's doing so using css custom properties aka CSS variables, right?
2: The bigger thing surrounding it that we were concerned about was the lack of like clear documentation or instruction around it. This is not necessarily that like ACF needs to be doing everything for mm. us as developers. It's more that uh the developers that are using it might be very new and might not know that they need to do that. Or they might be experienced developers that don't mm. realize they need to do that. No common kind of <laughs> Not pointing anyone out specifically
0: <laughs> our very own uh, Phil Hoyt has put out a tweet recently <laughs> <laughs> and i let 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 me read this let me read this this tweet for the audience. And the tweet goes as such blah 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 WordPress barrier to entry blah 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 so yeah. uh, so phil tell us yeah. tell us what you mean by this. <laughs> I'm not sure if
3: I'm allowed to swear on here, but, uh, you know, this is just a classic uh, Phil Hoyt shitpost, if I (laughs) have to say anything, you know? Um, I'm kind of dreading having to defend this, because at the end of the day, like, I find the conversation of WordPress buried entry so boring. It's just a very boring conversation, um, usually held by people who have so much experience that they don't even know what it feels like to be a beginner, to have that buried entry to many things. And I think at the moment, lots of us are starting to feel that now that WordPress has moved into a JavaScript yeah. uh, framework uh, type environment. And um, I'm hearing a lot of just, uh, I, I'll be the first one to say I've not read any of the articles on Baird Entry. I'm, I've not looked into any of the tweet threads by many um, prolific WordPress influencers. I've, I, I've just seen it in the, you know, in my space yeah the yeah. zeitgeist my space has been infiltrated by the words buried entry with a uh-huh. uh, wordpress attached to it and it's just such a boring conversation to have um and i you know again have not looked into any of these i don't know what i'm I'm not defending anybody and i'm not on anybody's side uh, but i believe as has someone who has built wordpress themes for the last 13 years um the idea that it was ever easy to build wordpress themes is insane to me Uh, that there was ever an easy barrier to entry to this platform. Like, is it easy for users to use? Debatable. Uh, Is it (laughs) easy to build themes for? No, Uh, you have to like uh, have a pretty good knowledge of um, PHP, Mm -hmm. uh, the WordPress codex, HTML, CSS, JavaScript to build uh, a lot of these themes. And it's only gotten more complicated over the years on the older style of building themes. Um, and if you ever wanted to get something into the WordPress directory, you'd have to follow a whole bunch of rules that aren't really plainly spelled out. Like you, they'll tell you once you try to, you know, submit it and, you know, it doesn't pass certain checks and there are plugins that help you along that way. But, um, you know, you have there's so many use cases that you have to cover when building one of these things. So this idea that it was ever easy to build a WordPress theme or plugin is kind of, you know, OK, ho, uh, Dolly, hello, Dolly, it's one line of php and sure but that does nothing it's Mm -hmm. you're not you're not doing anything with that but i just find this conversation so boring and it's just such a a, it it clutters my timeline and um yeah to the person who did reply asking me to defend myself on this or yeah you were not being rude or anything i'm i'm the one being rude (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm the rude person who just doesn't want to see this crap on my timeline so
2: i was kind of thinking along this line because I know um, something that I've been kind of, like, saying on Twitter, not not in tweets, but, like, in replies, is I just kind of wish there were more companies that would focus, there were, like, five for the future on non-code projects. Mm-hmm. Like, I selfishly want that because I think, like, documentation and training and community stuff, like, it would be nice if there were more uh, like medium-sized or in smaller businesses that would kind of get on board with that. I know there's like obviously giant companies. There's companies like Automatic that they pay people to do community stuff full-time. But I feel like that creates like, a, like an imbalance in representation, obviously, because the ones that are getting paid to do it are at big companies. Um, and Rachel Cherry had recently um, tweeted about... This is just our WordPress twitter roundup today apparently (laughs) but she had tweeted about um wp campus having done an accessibility audit of gutenberg uh like a few years ago and um she had tweeted a suggestion that automatic fund an accessibility audit for wordpress like the whole project like every few years and i thought that was a cool idea to to get more focus on an area that isn't like Sexy, because it's not code.
0: <laughs> I recently saw a, a little sort of proof of concept by uh, Mark Jakeith. He, he has this little proof of concept where he's, uh, you know, created a Gutenberg block completely in PHP, right? Um, and he, he's doing things where you can kind of write the, the JavaScript part in as, as strings that get, you know, parse and output. You know, in some sort of PHP framework that he's created, right? So, so it's, it's, it's JS in PHP essentially. Um, and you know, it's, it's an interesting proof of concept. And I, I I've seen comments, uh, about this, about people, you know, in, you know, in a situation we've talked about where they're long time, you know, PHP focused WordPress developers saying, like, if, if Gutenberg had been, you know, planned out like this from the start, then everything would be fine, you know, kind of thing. Like, like, like this, this should have been the roadmap instead of what it is now. But, but here's the thing, right? He wouldn't have been able to create this proof of concept if, you know, Gutenberg and the JavaScript APIs didn't exist the, the way they currently have evolved into, right? From the start. So to say that, like, there needs to be a roadmap that, that explicitly says we are going to make this thing that does it this, this way. And it's, it's going to be done in, you know, PHP or whatever. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if that's even possible for any software, <laughs> first of all, but, 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 but second of all, like we're able to do so, so many, like the, the, the theme JSON stuff, right. In, in WordPress 5.8, like uh, there, there was a lot of, uh, stuff that led up to all of that just just being possible the condensing all of these different ways to register blocks and and register you know theme stuff in in one place and and those APIs had to exist before that did so i don't know it's the nature of this open source beast it feels like In our final interview of the year, episode 10, we had a chat with Mike Demo of Codable, who had some great advice for agencies.
11: I was going to say something I used to, I've given out a lot of WordCamps, and people think I'm crazy for this, is uh, consider charging for emails if you're an agency. I'm not even kidding. $5 an email. I'm not at all kidding. Um, I know people that do this for who do this at big agencies in the twin cities. And it's amazing how concise and how many less emails you'll get from a client. If all of a sudden there's a $5 per email charge, (laughs) Um, it stops those one-offs like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I thought about this. Hey, I thought about this. Hey, I thought about this. Um, And so that's something that's, you know, important to think about. Uh, when you're looking at talking to, and we t- we talk about this at Codable too with our experts, figure out what the client's needs are because what the client says they want might not be what the goal of the actual project is. And sometimes what we think might be best practice might not affect what what their KPIs are, what, you know, kind of what they're going for. So, you know, I always like to have a conversation when I was doing agency work what it what will be success? What is success for this project in a year from now? And it, if you ever had those former clients where the honeymoon period's over, you know, where you launch a site, the site's pretty, they're happy with it. You contact them a year later for something, and they're no longer happy for some reason. The site's not doing enough, or it's not what they expected. And most of that boils down to not asking the clients for their goals at the beginning. And figuring out why does this site exist? And they'll be like, oh, we want a new website. Why? Oh, because our old one sucks. Why? Oh, we need more sales. What does more mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, just keep digging until you have written, agreed numbers on what those specific measurable, attainable, and time, um, uh, you know, um, timely goals are so that there's no ambiguity because, Honestly, the, the little bit that like half a percent where we have issues with our codable clients, like half of half of one percent, it's because of miscommunication and we're not setting expectations correctly. And it's up to us as the experts to educate the client what they don't know, but also to listen about why this site exists. Uh, best example I could think of this is I had I talked to somebody at a word camp and it was in Canada and they had a utility and they said, oh, I had a client who said, I care about bounce rate. That's my number one concern. I care about bounce rate. And they're like, okay, great. So they did all this work and did this huge proposal and on how to uh, reduce the bounce rate. And the client was unhappy. They were like, this, makes, this is not what I wanted at all. I want the bounce rate to be as high as possible. And the reason why is they were a public, they were a public utility. To them, success was people finding what they wanted on the first landing page,
0: mm-hmm. finding
11: the mm-hmm. answer and leaving. How do I pay my bill? Is there a blackout this and that? But if we don't ask those secondary questions, a lot of times we won't even know we won't even know what the client's asking so have written down before you even estimate what is your success factors what's you know what's what's objectively sorry what uh, what's objectively going to mean this project is a success or not not is it pretty not does it look nice what is the purpose and then you can tie reoccurring initiatives to that like seo or marketing or maintenance plans and say if we hit this number then this contract will be renewed another six months and then if we hit that next number and then blah 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 and it's a great way to get reoccurring revenue and clients will be happy and the way i sell it is hey client this will be the last new website you ever have to do in your life because the website of today is going to be very different than the website of two years from now because we're going to be adjusting it and testing, again, for that goal that we talked about day one instead of just building something, throwing it out there and saying, okay, talk to you in five years when, you're, when you don't touch it, and then you need to rebuild it again.
0: Well, that's it for – wait, what's this? An extra tape let's uh let's see what's on it couldn't hear it right
9: hey everyone
2: megan here i just wanted to give a quick thank you to all our listeners and guests from 2021 we had such a fun time making the show and we hope you all enjoyed it have a safe and happy holiday and stay tuned for more in the loop
10: hi i'm callie and i'm the marketing specialist here at blackbird i'm wishing you a beautiful holiday season and a new year of peace and happiness
9: Hi, this is Dana Tripone. I am the finance manager here at Blackbird Digital, and I'm just popping in to say happy holidays to everybody and a happy new year. Stay safe and have fun.
6: Hi, this is Frank Madison, designer at Blackbird Digital. I want to wish you and your family a happy holidays and a prosperous new year.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Gwen Francis, coordinator at Blackbird Digital, and I'm so
9: grateful for family and friends and my colleagues this year. I don't know what I would do without them. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas and a happy holiday season and happy new year.
10: Hi everyone. This is Jack designer at Blackbird as we end 2021. I hope that your stocking is full and your inbox is empty. See you in 2022.
3: Hey, this is Phil Hoyt web developer here at Blackbird digital. And I just want to wish you all a very happy winter
6: equinox and happy holidays. Hi, this is Pat Walsh founder of Blackbird digital. Thank you for listening this year and happy holidays to you and your family.
0: Yeah, what they said. Before we end the show today, I have one announcement to make. Megan Rose, our excellent co-host who breathed life back into this podcast, has moved on from Blackbird. I will do my best to take up the mantle, but it will not be the same without her. We wish her happiness and success in her new role, and I'm sure it's not the last we'll hear from her. Thanks for everything, Megan. That's all for this episode and Season 1 of In the Loop. If you heard something that piqued your interest, go back and give the full episode a listen. I don't think you'll regret it. Otherwise, I hope you'll join us again next year for more dev chats and interviews. And maybe you'll even hear more from some of the other people at Blackbird for a fuller picture of our little WordPress agency. And don't forget to send your questions, thoughts, and interview suggestions to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as intheloop__wp. If you're interested in having a WordPress website custom built or you want to join a team that does that, head over to our site at blackbird.digital and drop us a line. Thanks for listening to In The Loop. Happy holidays and we'll see you next year.